So Ayurveda says that the root cause of all disease, if you get down to it, at the very bottom level, you're going to find a disconnection from the soul. And that's going to start a psyche imbalance. That disconnection will give you a feeling of isolation. And a feeling of isolation, even in modern psychology, it's very well known that that's the root cause of most addictive and depressive tendencies is a sense of isolation, regardless of how many people you're surrounded by. So Ayurveda just says it right there, that the ultimate sense of isolation is separation from your own soul. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey y'all, welcome back to the show. Today I have on Victor Breer. Victor is the co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda, and he's also a Kundalini yoga teacher. And today on the show, we are talking all about Ayurveda and not just Ayurveda, but how it can help your mental health and how it can affect mental health. And we talk a lot about how we can use practices in Ayurveda, whether we go to an Ayurvedic doctor or not, how we can kind of implement some aspects of Ayurveda in our own life and how it can really help your overall health and your mental health. This is full of lots of good strategies and tactics that you can implement right now. So let's go ahead and jump in. Let's get going, y'all. I'm super excited to bring on Victor Breer today. He is the co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda, and we are talking all things Ayurveda. So thanks so much for joining today, Victor. Thank you for having me, Hope. I look forward to our chat. Yeah, me too. So let's kind of just jump into the basics, I guess, before we get too in-depth into anything. And can you just kind of tell the listeners kind of a brief overview of what Ayurveda is? Yeah, the age-old question. Ayurveda is a holistic health science that dates back 10,000 plus years. It came from what is now called India, but at that time, it wasn't exactly the India that we know it as. And it is holistic in the sense that no part of your body is isolated from any other part of your body. And that includes also the mind and in Ayurveda, the soul. So the medicinal system is, is set up in such a way that if you got something wrong with you, we want to look for the root cause somewhere in the system, not necessarily at the location of the, of the symptom. And that takes us on a journey through the pathology. And Ayurveda likes to balance the imbalances at all stages of a pathology. So if someone has, let's say, an ulcer, then that's the manifesting symptom. But Ayurveda doesn't just want to heal the ulcer. It wants to know why you got hyperacidic in the first place, why the walls of the or the lining of the stomach is getting so damaged. It could be a weak lining of the stomach in addition to hyperacidity. And then why you're engaging in the habits that produce too much acid what inside the mind is producing that kind of habitual behavior and why, why isn't it being let go of and so far, so on and so forth. So you follow it back all the way back to its root cause, wherever that is. And then what is kind of the protocol from there? Like what would be your approach as an Ayurvedic doctor? Would be to talk to the person who's come in. So like when a client comes into the clinic, for example, we 
take their whole health history, go on and have a long conversation about the ins and outs of their health. And someone who's trained like me knows to look for certain things in the lifestyle or diet or mentality that produce certain symptoms over time. So, you know, we'll just run with the ulcer example. There's an Ayurvedic saying, hurry, worry, curry. Those are the three things that cause an ulcer. So of course the food matters. That's the curry part. So you want to eliminate spicy food and so on and so forth, but the hurry and the worry are just as important. So the times a day you eat and the mental state and stress levels and how resilient someone is to stress. So we comb through the, the person who's come for help, their lifestyle, and we start making changes in a way that's realistic for them. And a lot of times that takes a lot of creativity to come up with uh, realistic solutions because I never like someone to leave just you know, do this, this, and this, and it's literally impossible for them to carry out that plan. Yeah. So in your experience, do you find that, I guess, generally speaking, it may be hard for you to generalize, but do you find that it's more lifestyle related or more diet related? Most people that you, that come in to see you? You know, at first, when I first started 10 years ago or so, I really thought it was more diet related. Mm -hmm. But as I learned through just seeing tons of people, is that it's almost always lifestyle related. Mm -hmm. That's really the truth of it. Food's important, but uh, one of my favorite authors is Carolyn Meese. I don't know if you know who she is. I don't. She, yeah, she's written a lot on health and she was one of the first, she's pretty pioneering in the health world in the United mm -hmm. States. <laughs> she's very comical because she's kind of got this like rough, tough attitude about health. And one thing she says is, I, you know, I don't care. I don't care if you eat cat food. <laughs> if you're not living in integrity with yourself, you're not going to heal. It's true. So, and that's a lifestyle commentary, right? right? So I completely agree with her, especially at this point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I had a feeling. That's what I wanted to ask. I feel like that's more of what we see now is just people's lifestyles. Just it's affecting their health in so many more ways than it used to, I guess. Which kind of leads me to my next question, because mental health has kind of been like, I guess a hot topic lately, we're talking, it's more and more like acceptable to talk about mental health, right? And so, so can you speak to the effects of Ayurveda on your mental health and specifically depression, right? It's one of the leading causes of, of debility, right? Across the world. And so I guess two parts to that. What do you see? What is your experience with like how Ayurveda can help it? And then or I guess before that, what is, what do you see as the main causes and then how can Ayurveda help that? That's a big question um, that I'm happy to start talking about. I talk about this all the time. It's massively important. And I'm thankful that it's getting more attention because it needs it. And it should be getting even more attention than it's getting now. So, okay, I want to talk about it in two ways. First is kind of the physiological way. And then I'll talk in the more Ayurvedic, pure Ayurveda way. The physiological way is you can't talk about depression unless you talk about the autonomic nervous system which is ANS for short, autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system is the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. And then there's the longest nerve in the human body, which is the vagus nerve. And that's part of the parasympathetic nervous system. But the vagus nerve has this special function where for those who don't know what the vagus nerve is, it's connected to your brain, all your sense organs, and every single vital organ in your body. And it's a two-way street. So it runs from the brain to the vital organs or the other vital organs and from the vital organs to the brain. So it's in constant communication with everything. Your whole body's synced up via the vagus nerve. 
And if we enter into a threatening situation, for the most part, then the vagus nerve's job is to signal the body to enter the sympathetic nervous system. And that's where we engage fight, flight, and freeze. So that's a big deal because once you engage one of those defense mechanisms, then your whole physiology changes really fast. And there's another defense mechanism called a mobilization that maybe we'll have to get into another time, but that's when you're really dealing with like heavy, heavy, heavy trauma. And that actually is caused by a parasympathetic overload, not a sympathetic overload. But for most people on a day-to-day basis, we're dealing with sympathetic nervous system, AKA stress. And it's all perceived. It doesn't have to be real. That's the important part. And actually there have been a lot of studies that show that actually the perceived stuff is much more influential on the body than the real stuff. And I'll give an example of that. Let's say I'm sitting in a room with you and I perceive that you're giving me like a harsh look. The fact that I perceive that's going to do more for my nervous system than the truth about whether you're actually giving me a harsh look or even thinking a thought about me. You might be giving, you might have a harsh look on your face because you're thinking about something that has nothing to do with me. But the truth of that has less of an impact on my nervous system than what I perceive is the truth of it. So that's important, right? Because we all carry around all these worldviews that uh, don't always line up with reality. Let's put it that way. (laughs) But we act as though they do. We act as though there are reality. And even if we don't think they are, like we know, like, you know, I know that I'm not in danger, but I still feel like I am. Even during those times, It's called the autonomic nervous system for a reason, auto. It happens without me controlling it. So what happens? We get threatened, our breath rate increases, our heart rate increases, our nervous system tenses up or our muscles tense up, our vital organs move away from digestion and reproduction and relaxation, and they move towards activation and defense. And to be able to move quickly, we become very outward instead of inward with our sense organs. We focus on vision and auditory inputs as opposed to all five senses. And it's all very helpful if there's actually a threat around and we need to do something about it. But most of the time there's not, and we're making up the threat. Um, Yet our body still acts as though it's under threat. So that's the physiological part of it. And chronic exposure can create really depressive tendencies in the body or manic depressive or addiction or, you know, you name it, anxiety, ADHD, whatever. Okay. Then there's the other side of that or the other part of that, which Ayurveda talks about that Western medicine does not talk about. And that is the belief in a soul. So Ayurveda says that the root cause of all disease, if you get down to it at the very bottom level, you're going to find a disconnection from the soul. And that's going to start a psyche imbalance. That disconnection will give you a feeling of isolation. And a feeling of isolation, even in modern psychology, it's very well known that that's the root cause of most addictive and depressive tendencies is a sense of isolation, regardless of how many people you're surrounded by. So Ayurveda just says it right there, that the ultimate sense of isolation is separation from your own soul. And once that happens, you're going to manifest an imbalance in your mental sphere. And then that's going to translate into your body over time because it will translate into your body via that vagus nerve and your entire nervous system, but also your habits. You're going to begin a lot of compensations for the fact that you don't feel connected to your soul. That's going to include eating habits. That's going to be relationship habits. That's going to be sleep habits. That's going to be sex habits. That's going to be 
the way you talk to yourself, that's going to be all that and massive impact on your mood, you know, and depression's beyond a mood. Right. But, you know, we could just talk like that here in this podcast. <laughs> right. Right. So let's go a little, a little deeper on that. Cause I would like to know more about that. So how does one become detached from their soul? Like, how does that, what is that? Yeah, that right. Soul, very vague word, right? And <laughs> right. just say, so this is not a religious thing at all. Totally. Yeah. So that's an awesome. I mean, that's a huge question and we don't have time to cover it all, but the soul in Ayurveda is considered your true identity. So we like to identify with the voice in our head that says I, but that's not actually our true identity. That's our ego and a part of our identity or a part of our being for sure, but not the root being. So the soul is the actual, actually what you are beyond the desires and cravings and imbalances of the ego and the mind and the body and all that stuff. We lose touch with it because of fear. So, and not just, I'm not talking about you get scared sometimes. I'm talking about chronic, deep-seated, subconscious or unconscious fears that we either avoided or never dealt with at all. And we all have those and we all know what those are. And they persist in our life. And so we sacrifice, a con- if I have to use metaphor here, there's no real better way to talk about it. We sacrifice a link to our soul or our true identity, and we create a mental compensation. But the real problem is we then identify with that mental compensation. So if I'm like super happy and positive and all the time, and I'm running out there and like, yes, the world's so beautiful, da, 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 all the time, like too much, you know? You can almost be sure that there's a compensation going on there because of fear. But if I were to walk up to that person and say, you're too happy, there's something going on here. Be like, no, I'm just a happy person. No. <laughs> yeah. That's a compensation pattern. Yeah. And so that's a disconnection from the soul is what we would call it. And that's going to set up imbalances in the body and the nervous system right. for later in life. Right. So if someone is... So if someone's in that position, right? They've there's a separation there. What would be, I guess, what would be some telltale signs that they have become disconnected like that? There are a lot. And you know, one of the best mirrors for that is how they do relationship. Mm. You know, then there are I, I mean books and books and books and YouTubes and podcasts and everything like that and all that stuff. You know, I think my personal opinion is that someone like Esther Perel has a massive amount of relationship wisdom. And she does talk about the soul and she talks about the erotic as the soul, not as sex, right? And she gets she has a lot of wisdom on that. From an Ayurvedic perspective, you look at their body as well. If someone has a sickness and the root cause of all sickness is some disconnection from the soul, you can look at their lifestyle. You can watch. And if you know, you're neutral and watching from the outside, which I highly encourage everyone to get a coach, right? Or someone or a professional to look, watch them or an Ayurvedic doctor or Chinese doctor or whatever, because that person's supposed to be neutral towards your situation. And they're supposed to say, you know, challenge you a bit and say, okay, I need you to eat lunch at noon. I can't eat lunch at noon. Why? Because, you know, my job, well, why can't you just sit down and have lunch at noon? Because my boss will fire me. Well, there's a huge fear sitting right there. Right. And so now you're starting to see that you unpack the lifestyle and you see where the disconnections from the soul exist. Right. So relationships, physical body, lifestyle, you can see it in diet all the time. I'm stressed out. I'm afraid I'm going to eat this cake. 
<laughs> that's the common pattern, right? Right, right. Yeah, sugar <laughs> or yeah, smoking yeah. cigarettes or alcohol or marijuana or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place. Right. Yeah. Right. So how can Ayurveda help with that? Ayurveda offers a compassionate way of having that conversation. And it offers real, I mean, real, very practical, like, solution. So, you know, it's like Ayurveda to a large extent has explored the rules of the body, so to speak. We know it's not really a mystery. We know what a human body needs to be healthy. For the, of, of course, you're going to get all sorts of unique health situations and all, all that. So I know that there are those circumstances. And yeah, to a large extent, we can deal with those too. But for, let's just say for the most part, for most people, if you eat right, sleep right, and relate right, you're going to be pretty healthy throughout your life. Mm-hmm. If you, those are called the three pillars of health in Ayurveda. If you abandon those for whatever reason, and there are so many motivations why we would abandon those, then your health is going to start. You're going to start creating an imbalance in your constitution. You're going to stray from your natural constitution. And those imbalances will start to show up as little tiny symptoms and eventually progress into a bigger pathology. You know, it's very rare that someone just drops from a heart attack without any warning, you know? So Ayurveda has very practical solutions. So diet, lifestyle, sleep, relationship habits, and of course, food, food's big and herbs, you know, what herbs you can take to reverse pathologies that have taken a seat in the body and they, it's time for them to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So then what would, what is a typical experience someone has when they come into an Ayurvedic clinic? We would sit down and start talking about their health history. And it would be my job to find where the main issues, because there are always 10,000 of them, but where the main issues are in the lifestyle, relationship, sleep, food, all that stuff. And then have a conversation about those, whether there's a willingness to change, which often there is not. So we can't ignore that. And what is realistic and how a solution can be created. So for example, let's say, you know, someone's working in an office and they get a half an hour for lunch. Or let's say they, they only take a half an hour for lunch. They've never had the conversation about whether they can have a 45-minute lunch, which makes all the difference, by the way. And not only that, they're eating at their desk in front of their computer and they continue to work. Well, you know there's fear there, somewhere in there. And that's a very unhealthy thing to do. Terrible for your digestion. Terrible for your mind. Terrible for your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. So that'd be one thing. It'd be, okay, you know, there's we got to start there. Let's get your eating habits right. And maybe that would be the first consultation. Then the next consultation, as long as those things were in place, we'd add some yoga or pranayama or breathing exercises. And then we'd go down the, the list and it would be an evolution as the consultations continued. And then, you know, eventually you got to probably get into the more vulnerable, deep stuff. But usually for most people, it takes some, some time before they're willing to dive into that. And then you get a custom herbal formula based on your needs for your body. And if you need it, there are a bunch of Ayurvedic therapies. So a big one's Panchakarma, which is a whole series of Ayurvedic therapies. And those accelerate the healing process. They put your body in a calm, relaxed state. You get full of all these herbal oils and therapies and so on and so forth. So it's a whole, that's a whole world unto itself. Yeah. 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 So what are some of the most common issues that you see for, I guess, people that come in to see you? Depression, anxiety, diabetes, hypertension, obesity. Mm-hmm. The ones you found most common, like everywhere, right? Like that's, that's yeah. America, United States, like the Western world, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but the thing is those all start as, you know, my digestion has been off. 
Mm-hmm. So there's a root, there's a root to all those diseases, but if you don't catch it early enough, then it progresses. Right. And what do you, I mean, do you find that the root is typically, is it some sort of lifestyle thing that needs to change? How deep of a root do we want to try and pull? <laughs> hey, you can go deeper. <laughs> All right. Hear it. Yeah. The root is that disconnection from the soul Yeah, because of fears. That's a real root. And, you know, it's hard to get into that stuff. It's fun to talk about. It's not always the end of the world to talk about, but when it actually comes to changing some of those things, we find that we built a lot of our life based around fear structures and they're not easy to break down, especially if you got kids, you got to you know, responsibility, you got all that stuff. You can't just up and snap your fingers and say, oh, well, you know, now I'm just not going to go to my job tomorrow because it was based on fear um, that I even chose this job. Right. So that's one level of it. But another level of it is, yeah, lifestyle and diet pretty much. And that, that usually is where people start. And then, you know, from there it evolves. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do a lot with that alone. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. We're going like too deep, I guess, into so I feel like I feel like part of your treatment is like psychotherapy, like a full on like therapy sessions along with all of your Ayurvedic, you know, herbs and all the other things that you do. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a therapist, but Ayurveda has been around a lot longer than Western psychotherapy. And it was just known that if you don't address these issues in the mind, then of course you're going to get sick. I mean, that was just common knowledge. And it was like kind of like duh. Um, you know, but now it gets all mixed up, but that's okay. So no, I don't think of it as therapy. I think of it as just having a conversation about real problems. You know, it's just like, Hey, are you scared? Yeah. I'm really scared of this, this, and this. And how's that affecting your behavior? Well, when I get scared, I get stressed and then I eat a tub of ice cream. It's like, well, I can tell you to stop eating a tub of ice cream, but what does that do about your stress and fear? Right. Right. Yeah. So, and it helps to talk to someone. Yeah. Who's not, who's not your mom, who's not your dad, who's not your right. you know, kid or whatever. Objective person. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So what do you think are the biggest, and I guess you, you kind of already spoke to it, but the biggest differences between Ayurvedic medicine and Western medicine, is it that, that mental piece that is being left out of Western medicine? Do you find that's the biggest difference? I mean, I think a lot of Western medicine at least acknowledges that there's a mental piece these days. It wasn't that way. I don't think maybe 30, 40 years ago, but no, I, you know, I think that's one of the ways I think another way is, you know, this was another thing I had to wake up to after being in practice for a while was, you know, I used to be really angry at the pharmaceutical companies and the allopathic doctors. And it's like, this is criminal and on and on. And but, you know, as I learned more and talked to people more and said, okay, so if, if you want to heal Ayurvedically, then please make these changes you know, lifestyle changes, food habits, things like that. And they would say, no, I don't want to, you know, or I'm not going to give up smoking or I'm not going to give up drinking. And of course the conversation is longer than that, but I'm shortcutting it. Right. Right. Then it's like, well, there's the only option you have is a pill then. So I kind of put the onus back on the people, us, you know, and it's your choice on how you want to attempt to heal your body. But I think that's the biggest difference between Western and Ayurvedic medicine. Western medicine is going to give you a drug based on a symptom. That is not the Ayurvedic approach. Ayurveda is trying to get as deep of a root as possible to resolve the imbalance in the body. So 
switching gears just a little bit, how did you get into this field? I got into this field because I had a health problem when I was about 18. I had this back issue that was neither really bad nor really good. So I went to, uh, I was living in LA. So I went to UCLA hospital, which is a very famous hospital and saw doctors there. And, you know, they all kind of told me the same thing, like, ah, you know, go see this person, get this image and all that stuff. And so I did. And everything was inconclusive, 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 inconclusive. And eventually one of the doctors just said, Hey, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. You're either going to get painkillers or surgery. If not, like, I, we don't know how to help you. So, you know, I was raised just thinking like most people think if you get, you hope you don't get sick. And if you get sick, you go to a doctor and hopefully they can help. That was it. I didn't know of anything else. So I knew I didn't want surgery and I knew I didn't want painkillers. So I was done. I was like, uh oh, what do I do? Like, I don't, I'm out of options. So that was scary. And I was kind of blank. I didn't know where to go. But eventually, you know, that actually prompted me to seek other solutions. So I found a yoga center and um, I took a chance on it. And the yoga teacher, I asked, I liked her. So I asked if I could do a private session with her. And she said yes. And, you know, did a whole thing with me. And then after one session, she said, okay, do these three exercises. And in three weeks or two weeks, I was fine. I'd had this problem for years. Wow. Yeah. It was just, so, you know, that was great, but bigger than that was like, oh, wow, there's a whole world out here. I know nothing about. Mm -hmm. And so since then I, I started really seriously exploring that world. And then I found a yoga mentor a few years later who introduced me to Ayurveda, who's actually a co-founder of the school. And I, once I learned about Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga, I was, I just went for it. I didn't look back. Yeah. I was on it. Yeah. That's how I got into it. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. You basically. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah. 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 Right. That's awesome. So what do you think are, I like to give, you know, a couple tangible things for people as they're listening here. What do you think, maybe a couple things that you think would be the most important things people can do for their health, whether it's related to Ayurveda or not, what do you think they can do? Yeah, well, it, it is related to Ayurveda, um, or at least is what Ayurveda would suggest. You know, Ayurveda is very custom to the individual, but there are, of course, some universal rules because we're, we all have human bodies at the end of the day. So, uh, you know, the big three I like to think of are is one, don't eat anything after 6 p.m. So liquids are fine, but don't eat solid food. That really helps balance out your whole digestive system, which is the core of long-term health, yeah. the digestive tract. Yeah. So that's one. And you know, that's something that a lot of people do. And within a few days, they feel significantly better. Yeah. So that has a quick result as well. And then the second thing I like to tell people is to eat at regular times. So Ayurveda actually suggests only eating two meals a day, but for those who are going to eat three meals a day, you know, like roughly breakfast, 8 a.m., lunch, 12 p.m., dinner, 5 or 6 p.m. And then dinner should be the lightest meal and lunch should be the heaviest meal. Right. So that's two. And then the third one is sip on hot water throughout the day. Don't chug water. Don't drink like four gallons of water. It's not going to make your skin look great. Just have a thermos or whatever and just sip on hot water throughout the day. It really helps the metabolism still run or keep running right. It destroys toxicity in the system. It keeps your system nice and hydrated. And your system does a lot better with small doses of water than big, huge clumps of water going into you. So why the, why the hot versus cold or warm? 
hot. So Ayurveda is a, a science based on the qualities of things. Mm-hmm. So everything, everything in nature has qualities. The quality of hot or heat, temperature, heat helps break things down and it opens up all your channels. So it helps you break down food that needs help being broken down and it will open up your channels for the evacuation process in your body. That's going to be hard for me because it's freaking hot here in Texas and it's hard. I need an ice cold glass of water when it's hot outside. That I like that though. That's Well, don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. <laughs> I will try it. But no, actually, try it. you might find that it cools you off. Okay. I'm going to try it. Yeah. Interestingly enough, or just at least room temperature water. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try it. Yeah. And then if you have to take a cold shower. Okay, there you go. That's true. That's probably, that would probably be more beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cold on the external, hot on the internal. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. All right. All right. Okay. So I like to ask, I like to end with the same question or before I ask that, actually, uh, let us know where we can find you and about okay. your school. Yeah. Yeah. So it's easy to find me. The website is www.iiayurveda.com. Okay. And II stands for International Institute. And it's, you could just email me through the website easily. And um, I like to offer, can I offer people a free thing? I like to offer it. Yeah. If you want to connect with me and just talk to me, I do a free Ayurvedic constitution reading. So I'll tell you if you're Vata, Pitta, Kapha or some combination, and we just do a Zoom thing. And you could just email me and say, hey, I listened to Hope's podcast and I want um, a constitution reading. So happy to do that. Happy, awesome. And then our Ayurvedic school trains, we're California certified and we're NAMA, which is the big Ayurvedic association certified. So we, we certify Ayurvedic practitioners, professional Ayurvedic practitioners. And I have a really cool course starting in 2022 for Ayurveda and the vagus nerve. Very cool. That's running right now, but I'm starting it again in 2022. Okay. And then, of course, we have the clinic. Yeah. Okay. For those well, who need help, to, health help. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll put links to all that in the show notes. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for offering that. I know people are going to be excited about that. So the question I like to end with, I like to ask everybody the same question, is what do you think is the most important thing people can do to live with purpose? Connect with your soul. Yeah. The most important thing you can do to live with purpose. What a great question. I would say that the the most important thing to do is to do your best to get really, 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 really honest with yourself. And then to run that by the closest, most trustworthy people you've got and ask them for their honest opinion on you. For the result of? So that you can get honest feedback and then that will help carve out what your natural gifts and talents are. And then you can follow that to your purpose. That's good. That's good. That's a really great point. Getting feedback, right? For people, that's a really, that's a really great point. I like that. Yeah. But not just anyone. Sure. It's got to be people who are trustworthy and right. hopefully are very purposeful themselves. Right. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's great advice. All right. Thank you, Victor. This is great. I know I'm excited to offer that to people so they can get their, their Ayurvedic, what did you call it? Composition? Constitution. Constitution. Assessment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for this. Uh, I enjoy learning all things Ayurveda from you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was great. Thanks for the good questions. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. 
So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza, or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.